Welcome to The Great Reset, a podcast from the World Economic Forum that looks at how we can build a cleaner, fairer, smarter world after COVID-19. This week, The Great Reset is coming to you every day from the World Economic Forum Sustainable Development Impact Summit, where we've already heard from King Abdullah of Jordan. We are all in this together, and the sooner we realise it, the better. We've heard from Pakistan's Minister of Climate Change. When you start investing in nature, nature always pays you back. And we've heard from the President of Colombia. Deforestation has a tremendous impact worldwide. Cocaine destroys tropical jungle. It's Tuesday, the 22nd of September, day two of the summit. On this episode, we'll bring you highlights of the discussions so far, as well as the second in our series of interviews with people passionate about improving the state of the world, telling us why the UN's Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs, are so important for us all, for the planet, and for them personally. The SDGs to me are a great way to look at data, help prioritize and stack rank, and then galvanize the world to say, what can we do together? That's Jacqueline Fuller, the head of Google.org. You can follow much of the Sustainable Development Impact Summit online. Just visit wef.ch slash SDI20 and follow us across social media with the hashtag SDI20. I'm Robin Pomeroy, Digital Editor at the World Economic Forum, and with daily coverage of the Sustainable Development Impact Summit, this is The Great Reset. The Sustainable Development Impact Summit happens every year around the time of the United Nations General Assembly, bringing global experts, business leaders, politicians and others together to look at how the world can achieve the UN Sustainable Development Goals, the so-called SDGs. The 17 goals include massive tasks such as eradicating hunger and poverty and combating climate change. We face unprecedented crisis in the world today. The naturalist Jane Goodall setting the tone for the discussions on day one, saying how the COVID pandemic could jolt the world into action on sustainable development, particularly on what she called the much greater challenge, the climate change crisis. First of all, there's the right now, the pandemic, and the tragedy is that this pandemic has been predicted, and in, to some extent it's been caused by us, because we've disrespected the natural world, we've disrespected animals, we've created environments which make it much easier for a pathogen to jump from an animal to a human, where it may cause a new disease, a zoonotic disease as it's called, such as COVID-19. Unfortunately, COVID-19 was incredibly contagious and has raced around the world, causing so much havoc, so much suffering, so much economic chaos. But At the same time, all the time, we have been threatened by a much greater challenge, and that is climate change. And to to a great extent, it's the same disrespect of the natural world that has led to this, this climate crisis, because this planet has finite natural resources, and we've been plundering them in many places faster than Mother Nature can restore them. And we have to realize that we are part of the natural world and we depend upon the natural world. And we have been destroying the natural world. We've been destroying the forests, trees that can absorb carbon dioxide. We've been polluting the ocean, the ocean that can also absorb carbon dioxide. And both forests and oceans give us the oxygen we need to breathe. We're in the midst of the sixth great extinction We depend on healthy ecosystems 
and the healthy ecosystem depends on the biodiversity. We need to move into some of these innovations of science like solar, wind, and, and tide energy. Otherwise, for my grandchildren and theirs, the future is more than grim. It's very dark. We mustn't let that happen. We have a window of time which is closing and we need everybody who cares to get together and find solutions now. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, this year's Sustainable Development Impact Summit is an entirely virtual meeting with some 4,000 delegates taking part over four days. In an opening session on day one, one of those delegates was King Abdullah of Jordan. Striking all countries at an unprecedented universal scale, this crisis should also be seen as an opportunity for all of us if we act decisively and act together. We must begin by rethinking our entire global system to become more integrated, resilient, and just. A globalized world cannot thrive by leaving its most vulnerable communities behind. We are all in this together, and the sooner we realize it, the better. In that same opening session, another head of state, Colombian President Ivan Duque, talked about deforestation, regional cooperation, and cocaine. The world has some sort of a, of a world consensus against drugs, but let's go to the environmental damage. When we think about, for example, cocaine, cocaine destroys tropical jungle. For every hectare of coca that is planted, three hectares of tropical jungle are destroyed. The usage of chemicals for the development of those drugs are really generating a massive damage. And part of the deforestation that we see in, in Latin America, and especially in the, in the tropical jungle, is because of this business. So I think we should all be acknowledgeable enough that we have to do something against this type of illegal business, not only because it's bad for health and it's bad for security, but it's because it destroys the environment. Deforestation has a tremendous impact worldwide. And in Latin America, we should do something even stronger. We have been able, in the case of Colombia, to reduce by 90% the, the deforestation rate in the last two years. But we have to make the Leticia Pact, which is the pact to protect the Amazon that was signed by eight presidents of the Amazonic Basin in Latin America, so that we can ensure that we will have clear objectives, not only to reduce the deforestation rate, but also to reforest and protect the areas. In a session called Bringing Nature into the Great Reset, Pakistan's Minister of Climate Change, Malik Amin Aslam, said the COVID pandemic had shown us the dangers of pushing nature too far. As we all collectively go through this uh, huge catastrophe that the world is facing, I think nature has taught us two very important lessons. One of them is a stark warning, and the other one is an opportunity. Uh, the stark warning that nature has given to all of the world is that there are boundaries and nature works within certain limits and certain balances. And if we try to tilt that balance, nature will strike back. And we've seen what happens when nature strikes back because we're all in the middle of a zoonotic uh, pandemic, uh, which happened when humans you know, invaded the uh, territory of animals. Uh, on the other hand, nature is also providing us with a window of opportunity. And the opportunity is that we don't have to uh, come, out, come out of this pandemic on the same pathway that got us in there. We can have a different world. And we have seen the different world during this pandemic also. We have seen when humans have retreated, what has happened? We've seen the blue skies, uh, the clean air, 
that we've all uh, breathed. And we've seen, you know, when we try to rebalance the, this uh, existence with nature, uh, there is a positivity attached to it. There are no jobs on a dead planet. Uh, so we, we, we really uh, looked into that issue and we thought that, yes, you know, and the pandemic was giving us this huge uh, crisis of people uh, moving away from cities to uh, back to rural areas without jobs and employment. So all of this because of the lockdown. Uh, so we, we, we tried to bring the two together that if we could protect nature and if we could also create jobs, then that would create a real sustainable stimulus for us as a country. Pakistan's Minister of Climate Change, Malik Amin Aslam, really speaking to the overall theme of the SDI Summit, which is realizing a great reset for sustainable development. That was just a flavor of some of the discussions on day one of the Sustainable Development Impact Summit. You can see and hear much more online. Just visit wef.ch sdi20. You're listening to a special daily edition of The Great Reset on day two of the World Economic Forum Sustainable Development Impact Summit. We'll be right back after this news of another podcast you might be interested in. I think you should be skeptical of, of any vaccine. I think you should be skeptical of anything you put into your body. I think what you shouldn't be is cynical. On this week's World vs. Virus podcast, Anti-Vaxxers, is public skepticism about vaccines a big enough problem to put the whole quest for a global vaccine against COVID-19 at risk? If you don't believe that the virus is what it is, you know, why would you even bother with a vaccine? We talked to Professors Paul Offit, to the co-inventor of a vaccine, and Heidi Larson, who tracks rumours and lies about vaccinations. Some of the sentiments around vaccines vaccine resistors and questioners are very much aligned with some of the issues around populism. That's the fight against anti-vaxxers on World vs. Virus. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Robin Pomeroy at the World Economic Forum, and this is World vs. Virus. And this is The Great Reset. You're back with the daily coverage of the World Economic Forum's Sustainable Development Impact Summit. Jacqueline Fuller leads Google.org the tech giant's data-driven philanthropic arm tackling the world's biggest problems using a combination of innovation, funding, and technical expertise. She talked to my colleague, Chris Alessi, about how the group changed gears to attack the COVID crisis and how technology has made it easier to get resources to people in need in a crisis. But first, she discussed how the Sustainable Development Goals, those SDGs, help frame their thinking, especially in response to the economic and the health challenges brought by the pandemic. In general, Google.org, you know, we're Google's philanthropy. So we think about some of the greatest challenges we're facing across the earth as encapsulated by the SDGs and then think, okay, what are Google's unique assets that we could leverage? Where could we make a differential impact against some of these challenges? So for example, when the COVID crisis hit, we just completely threw out our plans for the years. You know, we have these OKRs that we do as teams across Google that lay out our objectives and our key results for the entire year. We just threw them out for 2020 and said, let's just entirely reorient around the COVID crisis. So we have galvanized more than $100 million that we've put to work uh, through Google.org with partners. And then we have also leveraged our Googlers, our employees, and their expertise in particular. So for us as Google.org, as we're thinking about the SDGs, especially uh, this year, we think about uh, SDG 3, for example, as we're thinking about health and science and data gaps, or SDG 8 as we're thinking about economic recovery, or SDG 4 about distance learning, because those, those are the areas where we think we can help pitch in and have the most impact. 
So then through the lens of the sustainable development goals, what would you say um, the sustainable agenda has really come to mean to you personally and perhaps how that informs the work you're doing at Google? The SDGs to me are a great way to look at data, help prioritize and stack rank, and then galvanize the world to say, what can we do together? And it doesn't mean that every person or every community or every company is going to tackle every one of the SDGs. I think we all need to think about where we can plug in and have the biggest impact. Can you talk a bit about SDG 8, Decent Work and Economic Growth, and in particular, your work around direct cash transfer? So, you know, it's interesting with this this global pandemic, in addition to this being a health catastrophe, really on the economic side, it's devastating as well. And one of the things that we have seen is all of the negative trends in terms of income, in terms of loss of jobs, in terms of widening income gaps. COVID is just accelerating all of those negative trends. The way that Google.org plugged into that was to think about the barriers that small and medium-sized businesses, SMBs, face. In particular, who SMBs led by women, by people of color, have been particularly hard hit. And if you look at the barriers that they face, one of the big ones is a lack of an access to capital. So how could we help unlock that access to capital in such a critical time where cash flow is so important? So we worked with financial intermediaries who work with community groups that are getting resources out to small businesses just everywhere and built their infrastructure. So we gave grants and then we also involved our friends from the treasury group here at Google to say, could we make loan funds available? So we put into place a $200 million loan fund to to provide that immediate access to capital. Another area that you you mentioned earlier is direct cash transfers. So in addition to the work that we've done with SMBs, we've also thought about individuals because we know small businesses need immediate cash assistance in a crisis, but just everyday people who have been just hammered by job losses, they still need to pay their rent and feed their families. And so you've seen a big upswing in the amount of resources that are just flowing in the form of direct cash assistance. And that's an area where Google.org has been involved actually for more than a decade. We worked together with a group called Give Directly to help really build the scale to allow everyday people to provide resources, a dollar for someone who's in absolute poverty in Kenya or Uganda, because we know just by giving direct cash, you as a as a donor, 90 cents of every dollar that you're giving is going directly into the hands of someone in need. And we know on the recipient end, look, people who are poor know better than any of us what they need to do with these resources. So giving them free direct cash allows them to make choices about what they need in their life in the moment. And one of the things that we've really seen working together with partners like FII or the National Domestic Workers Alliance or Give Directly who are involved in getting direct cash out is that in a moment of crisis, speed is of the essence. And so using technology, using mobile phone technology to allow direct cash to flow 
And so we've been backing GiveDirectly now for a decade or so, but it's been just this past year, actually, where we've really said, okay, in addition to the work, you know, we're doing with them in India and places like Africa, let's think about what this should look like for a, a, a situation like the COVID crisis. Is there an anecdote uh, perhaps you could share that inspired you to really be uh, so passionate about uh, the economic growth aspect of the sustainable agenda? What got you into these issues? I've done a bunch of different things in my career. I worked in the U.S. in inner cities at the beginning of my career. I looked at the spatial demography of poverty and things like where you live and where you grew up, you know, your the zip code, your neighborhood. How does that impact your life opportunities. And what I saw just very clearly from the data is it's not about how always about how hard you work or your great ideas, but just there are so many systemic barriers in place that are preventing people from contributing in fullness to the economy and, and being able to thrive. So I saw that in the context of U.S. and in particular in urban areas. But then I, I moved to India with the Gates Foundation and you know saw poverty from a much different angle there. Really saw how poverty was disproportionately impacting women and girls. We were thinking about direct cash assistance. And then I was talking with USAID, the, the large uh, US development agency, about the way that they were thinking about testing their approaches. And so we agreed to do a joint project together where we both put in a few million dollars in work specifically in Rwanda around an issue like malnutrition to see how various approaches from direct unconditional direct cash versus various different kinds of programs around malnutrition and hunger worked. And the data from that was quite compelling in terms of just how effective direct cash could be rather than giving a specific sack of grain or, you know, a specific cassava. And so I think that was a, that was a really uh, pivotal uh, point for me as well. And I think for USAID as, as well to, to be willing to challenge some of our deeply held beliefs about what's most effective, to be open to trying new approaches and then looking at what the data says about what can be most effective. So when you think about economic development and poverty, especially now through the lens of the COVID world, um, what keeps you up at night? Well, I, you know, I think I, I tend to be an optimist. And so rather than give you a scary scenario, I'll tell you, you know, some of the things that actually make me hopeful and make me think we actually can chip away at this. We actually can bring improvement. And that's, I think we are, we are seeing globally scaled solutions around providing different pathways to jobs, jobs that provide good wages, jobs that have growth in them. There's been a really big global movement around teaching digital skills. And we have seen that that gap, that lack of knowledge from the most basic level, from people just not even really being familiar with some of the basic uses of technology, how to look for a job online, all the way to more advanced skills around computer science or how to become an IT support professional. And so Google has launched an effort that we call Grow with Google. We have major programs across Europe, Africa, Asia, in the US, where we're 
working with different partners to say, what are the key digital skills that people need in order to advance, to get a job if they're unemployed, to get a better job, to get that promotion, to increase their earning uh, potential. And you know, some of the things that we're seeing, for example, even at Google, is not every job for which we have always required a college degree actually needs a college degree. And people can learn skills, they can bring skills to the table through different pathways. Where people who don't have a four-year degree, maybe don't even have a lot of college experience or experience with computers, can take a course on a a platform like Coursera. We offer some uh, scholarships for that where people can grow into a profession of being an IT support professional within, say, six months to a year. So these kinds of digital skills programs that Google is doing and lots of other folks are doing as well, I think are providing the kind of ladders that we're going to need to see as part of the COVID economic recovery. And lastly, uh, as you know, our sustainable development impact meeting comes as the UN General Assembly uh, is convening. What are you looking to hear from leaders as they come together, specifically around these issues of sustainability and economic inclusion? I think people right now are um, scared. People are worried about the effects on their own health, on their community. They're also looking at economic devastation and they're asking us, they're asking the world, you know, where are the solutions? Are you remembering thinking about people like me, about People in my community, for example, we have seen uh, in the U.S. that communities of color are particularly hard hit. So what are the solutions that we're putting in place, both from a health and science perspective to track the epidemic and then inform response and policy based on that data and those impacts, and then an economic recovery? How are we building an inclusive economic recovery that centers on women and girls and communities of color and people who have been traditionally left behind? So how are our solutions working and how are they working for everyone? Jacqueline Fuller of Google.org was talking to Chris Alessi. Some jargon busting for you, SMBs, as Jacqueline Fuller did mention, are small and medium-sized businesses. The acronym OKR stands for Objectives and Key Results, and SDG 8 is the Sustainable Development Goal number 8 on Decent Work and Economic Growth. Chris will be back tomorrow talking to Carlo Delantar, a social entrepreneur from the Philippines. What really pushed me to look into where I am currently is, you know, coming from the Philippines after Typhoon Haiyan, the super typhoon that happened seven years ago, you realize that we have limited time to act on it. And if not everybody's doing it, I need to do something about it. That's on Wednesday's Great Reset podcast, which will also bring you the latest highlights from the summit. For full coverage of the Sustainable Development Impact Summit, please visit WEA f.ch slash sdi20 and there's plenty more across our social media feeds facebook instagram linkedin tiktok youtube and on twitter using the handle at wf and the hashtag sdi20 for more podcasts please visit wef.ch slash podcasts and subscribe and rate and review us if you could wherever you get your podcasts thanks to chris alessi to linda lacina and to gareth nolan and thanks to you for listening for now from me goodbye Thank you.